the first post-game Wizards After Dark episode in more than four and a half months is here, and it is following a performance in which the Wizards gave up 125 points to the Phoenix Suns and lost 125 to 112. Joining me for the second time in three episodes, he was just so good last time that I just absolutely positively had to have him back on the Skype line. Who just watched the game on TV like I did? No more in-person games. So sad. Dave Defoe. You, you be careful, or they're going to stick me on this show permanently. Maybe I need to be careful. That would be I don't fine. Need any more, I don't need any more regular shows. Last time, yeah, you be careful. Last time you came yeah. on, I think like eight minutes into the show, I was like, "All right, Dave, what do you want to talk about?" I already started to give up and <laughs> do nothing. So, so yeah, that would be lovely. Yeah, so uh, the Wizards suck, man. They are missing some people. I'll tell you yeah. what, I voted I voted for Bradley Beal for All-NBA. I said that in the last podcast, which you can, by the way, strong recommend. I had David Aldridge on. Uh, li- Little-known NBA writer David Aldridge came on the yeah, podcast. Yeah, just, just starting out, you know, we want to give that guy a push. So there was... There was a there was a thing earlier this year on Juneteenth. The Wizards did a march through downtown DC. I wasn't in DC, um, and I asked my bosses like, should I go back? And they're like, no, it's fine. Like D- DA is going to cover it, no problem. So I was like, <laughs> oh yeah, perfect. We'll just like send the backup. That's fine. That's yeah. just like my fill in. Yeah. You know, Here's the fill in. Yeah, and it's fine. Just in case, you know, like we want Fred Katz, but if Katz isn't available, eh, you know, yeah, see if David Aldridge will do it. Yeah. Just, Throw him a bone. Just send this literal Hall of Fame backup. Yeah. Um, he would have been better uh, handling the ball today for the Wizards, I think. <laughs> oh, man, they were sloppy. So so some things before we start. I kind of forgot how I do this, but I'm going to – if you happen to be listening to this and you didn't watch the game and you just use this podcast to catch up on what you might have missed Wizards-wise, um, lots of turnovers. 18 felt like more. A lot of loose balls that could have been turnovers and passes that just barely missed grazing to fingertips. I think it could have been more than 18. Uh, Rui had 21 and 8 on 8 of 15 shooting. I think it was a little bit of a misleading line, to be honest. Jerome Robinson had 20 on 7 of 9 shooting. That was not a misleading line. He he shot the ball wet better than he has since he's been a wizard, for sure. Uh, Ish Smith had 17 on 18 shots, four boards, and seven assists off the bench. Uh, Troy Brown really struggled with foul trouble all game. He had 15 on 11 shots, but one rebound and one assist uh, does not cut it from Troy Brown. I thought him being a minus 14 was um, indicative of how he played. I don't think he played as well as he did in the in the exhibitions, where where he he did a much better ball creating and and boarding. Uh, you know what? Last time I said it took eight minutes before I handed the podcast over to you. This time we're going to say it takes four <laughs> minutes. Where do you want to start? Where do you want to start with this? Well, I think uh, Phoenix's point of attack defense really took advantage of the lack of ball handling for the Wizards. I, I, you know, that was apparent. They were hounding Rui. They were hounding Napier. They, they were just all over him. Uh, you know, Rubio poking the ball away. Uh, Michael Bridges. Is it Michael? McCall? McCall. Okay, yeah, I and only Javon, read it. You know, I never hear it. I Javon Carter it. is feisty That's as it. hell. Right. Mikal Bridges. Uh, I mean, these guys, they were just all over the ball. And so, you know, it's funny when you look at those turnovers. I, the Suns committed 17 turnovers. They just weren't as bad as some of the ones that the Wizards were making. You know, like the, the, the Suns were able to capitalize 
on those turnovers. And, and, you know, when the defense is already bad, giving up points in transition is just a killer. For sure. And and it was that to me to me the issue was the turnovers and 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 something else that we have seen in every single NBA game that has been played to this point, which is the fouling. The referees, yeah. Yeah. And and if the Wizards want to play fast, two things you can't do turnovers that give up easy buckets and lots of fouling that mm-hmm. doesn't have you running in transition at all. I mean, well, quite honestly, and you know the, what what's incredible is that Aiton didn't shoot a single free throw. Think about that. Yeah. I mean, look, so many of his his shots were just good looks. Aiton, I thought, just played spectacularly. He can just ball, man. That guy can he's really good. But what I mean is like these are these are perimeter fouls. So this is guys reaching, being out of position, being late. This wasn't, you know, the the typical, you know, your bigs usually pick up more fouls because, you know, interior defense kind of just works that way. That's not what this was. You know, it was the guards that really were just doing a poor job. And I think, you know, Rui was probably the worst one of them. Yeah. You know, even though I didn't think Bongo was particularly great tonight, I totally talked him up on the last podcast I did with David. And I talked him up in my story that I did this morning. I've been talking up Troy Brown. Didn't think he played very well tonight. Did not think Troy Brown defended well tonight. There were moments where I was like, oh, there it is. Like, there, there is something that he just did that I don't think he would have done in the first 64 games of the season. Troy Brown had a couple of takes to the rim, had a super nice AM1. Don't think he would have had that, that reverse finish in the first 64 games of the season. Had a couple of swing passes that didn't lead to buckets. Didn't think he would have made those plays. Bonga had a couple of really solid finishes around the rim and just a couple of takes that he attempted. I don't think he would have done. He had a couple of nice footwork plays defensively. I don't think he would have done. There wasn't really anything Rui did in this game where I was like, oh, that's 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 different. That's that's right. that's a leap up. Even if you break it down compartment by compartment, you say like with Bonga, it's just like, oh, look, he went to the rim and finished hard and did that like three times in this game. And he didn't really ever do that three times in one game over the first 64 games. Okay. That's, that's something that's, that's something you look at with Rui. He had 21 and eight. He was eight for 15. He was five for five from the line. You look at the line. You're like 22 years old, technically still a rookie. That's, that's, that's great. Um, I didn't really see anything different and maybe, maybe I'm being hypercritical in that, in that sense, because like maybe he can just be wildly successful playing in this brand. Um, but there are other things that that you would hope diversify with his skill set, you know, and uh, and and you and you don't want to overreact to one game against the Phoenix Suns. Oh, but, yeah. But we not. I'm just saying this is all we have right now. And I just True. haven't really I haven't really seen it. You know, you'd like to see it because he's got an opportunity well, to show something. And think about the converse. Right, like think about other young guys. I mean, you know, I don't know how much you got to see of the Grizzlies game, but you know, John Morant, he's been fantastic all season, but I think he might have looked better today than he looked during the season. You know, I I just think that uh, I expected a little bit more out of Rui, and and maybe he just didn't get to get the gym time in. I don't know. Um, I mean, you're. I mean, look. Maybe you can fill me in. Was look, he in the gym a lot? It's fair. I. I don't know how much 
each of these guys were in the gym. Everybody says they're in the gym. You know, I don't I don't know how much if he didn't get a lot of gym time. Look, Rui lives in an apartment, you know, it's really yeah. hard to live in an apartment in over the last four and a half months in this country. It's just more inconvenient for everything in your life. Just because you're an NBA player, it doesn't make that any more convenient in a lot of ways, you know? Like, mm-hmm. if he just didn't have court time because of the regular inconveniences of life the last four and a half months, that's totally excusable. That's that's understandable and relatable. That's fine. Um, it's just, it's, it's an observation that it's hard not to... Uh, it's hard not to take that away just specifically from this game. Cause like the turnovers, like you said, they weren't great turnovers. They were, they were Rui dribbling high as he kind of jogged the ball up in transition. Someone coming from behind and poking it away or yep. Rui standing at the top of the key, not really wanting to pass the ball. When, even though the double team came above the three point line and losing it twice in a four second span, that kind of stuff. Um, those are sloppy plays. Those are sloppy plays. And guess what? Second-year players, and I'm just considering all these guys a year advance. Rui might literally be a rookie. He's a second-year player. Troy Brown might literally be second-year. He's he's a third-year player. You know, they've had they've had longer time off now than they will before next season if next season starts in December like they want to. But 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 you hope second-year players. They can be sloppy, too. He's 22 years old. That kind of stuff happens. But you pointed out, you know, these are mm-hmm. these are things that are, if the Wizards want him to be a core piece, it's worth pointing out. Yeah, well, and also you need to see him try more stuff. I, I'd like to see him take a little bit more risk, to be honest with you. Yeah, and maybe this is the coaching. Like, maybe they're trying to keep him within himself, but – you're just not playing for anything. So you need to use it to try stuff out. Like my hope is that he's been working on his game. They're they're hopeful that he can expand his playmaking because you and I talked about this, you know, a couple weeks ago. Like we think that that's kind of the key for him is he needs to be able to make secondary reads. And we we just haven't seen any of that. It's a lot of pull-up jumpers. But we already know he can hit those at a okay rate. Yeah, he can at least take them. Right and getting them off I, I is think, important. Too. I think there's a good chance he's going to be excellent at those pull-up jumpers. Yeah, I mean he's got he's, he's already he's, very good at them. Yep, he already is really good and he's comfortable. And so like there there's no reason for me to think that as he adjusts to NBA speed that he gets better at those. He so, could, but, he could, but I need he to see him doing other stuff. I want to see some pull-up threes off the dribble. Well, I don't think you're going to see that. I mean, it's the most single singular valuable NBA skill. Yeah. But I don't think we're going to see that. Because I, I, I think with him, I just don't think he's comfortable behind the three-point line. He's he's talked a lot about that's not my game. My game is inside the three-point line. That's not my game. He, he's, he's openly not particularly open to taking threes. And I think you have to mentally get him comfortable with it. And I don't think the way to do that is just to tell him, hey, you're you're pulling up from three. I don't think he's going to get there. I think if he's not mentally comfortable, you have him pulling up from three, he starts missing threes. He's like, I told you this isn't part of my game. I think you build him. You have him, you have him take his spot ups and you, you build him there. You know? Because right mm-hmm. now he's getting opportunities where, where he could have spot ups and he's passing them up to take a couple dribbles in and seeing if he can, if he can take that 16-footer. 
Yeah. And you want him comfortable enough shooting the open spot up. Exactly. So I think, um, I think that's what – I think you build towards there, you know? Uh-huh. I, I just want to see them challenge him to – you know, like the mistakes are fine if you're trying new stuff. But there's a certain point where, you know, you should have proficiency at, at, at enough that this, the things that are in your wheelhouse already, that are in your comfort zone, should just be comfortable. And, and again, this is one game. I, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to hammer him because it really is one game. It's the first real NBA game that he's played in four months. Maybe, maybe game two, it's not as sloppy. But it, it was pretty bad. The high dribble is, is really just unacceptable he cannot do that his handle just it isn't good enough for him to get away with even you know that that momentary loose dribble I mean we'll see guys like Kevin Durant sometimes will get a wild dribble but his handle is so good that he can he can actually pull that thing back in and and make a move out of it and Rui doesn't have that yet and and you know this is one of those things I think the the feel part of the game takes a while to develop and you know when you start a little bit later you know it makes sense that that maybe you wouldn't have as much feel but you know I'm not not out on Rui or anything no. not completely no I'm I'm no, not I'm out I'm not out on Rui I just I just think he needs to diversify his skill set yeah you you want I agree. the thing is you want your core pieces to be good at multiple things or else they're not core pieces mm-hmm. They're role players. Right. The reason that we refer to three and D players as great role players and not stars is because by definition, they're only good at two things. Otherwise, they wouldn't be three and D players. They would be complete players, you know? And so yeah. you you want your core pieces to have diverse skill sets. And um we're just I'm 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 I am interested watching Rui's development. You know what I think is interesting about Jerome Robinson? Ooh, what's that? He is like, I don't like judging players on, oh, he shot well tonight, so he played well. And, oh, he shot poorly tonight, so he played poorly. And I think Jerome Robinson might be my exception. Well, I mean, what's his role? Well, everything that Jerome Robinson does is pretty consistent from night to night. Like he's he's pretty okay defensively. He's fine. He's he's I think above average guarding the ball. He can slither around some screens every once in a while. I don't really think he's a problem defensively. Uh I think he, he I think he could end up being a pretty solid defensive player. He's not totally uncomfortable running pick and rolls. Now I don't I I don't love him pulling up from mid-range because I don't love most guys pulling out from mid-range with volume. He didn't really do it tonight. I thought he made good decisions shooting um, and when to shoot. And when he makes his shots, he looks good. When he doesn't make his shots, he doesn't look as good. Historically, he hasn't really made his shots since coming into the league. He's been a 30-some-odd percent shooter and a, a 30% shooter from three and a 29% shooter on, on long twos. And so he hasn't What is made he his in shots. the G League? What, what does he shoot in the G League? I don't know off the top of my head. 37%, right? Everybody's 37%. Everybody 37%. <laughs> Everybody's 37% in the G League. It's totally true. Uh, and it's not indicative. But but uh, 
I, I, he made his shots tonight, and I thought he took all good shots. There wasn't one point. As a matter of fact, there was there was one point late in the game where Ish Smith kind of shoveled it back to him on a on a fast break, and I thought he I thought he easily could have taken pulled up and just taken that three that that little trailer three on the left wing. I thought he easily could have taken that shot. So so not only did I not have any problem with his shot selection, I I thought it was the opposite. I thought it could have increased his shot selection, considering how hot he was. When he makes his shots, he just he just looks good. And I know that's like oversimplifying, but if he actually just becomes a guy who does everything exactly the same and he shoots, say, 47% on twos or even 45% on twos, and then he ends up shooting 35% on threes, that's that's a player. That's a player. And I just thought he looked really good going seven for nine from the field and four for six from three in this game. It's kind of like Kyle Kuzma, right? Kyle Kuzma's role is to hit those hit those jumpers when AD and LeBron open things up for him, right? So in the first game for the Lakers, Kyle Kuzma goes four of seven from three. So we all feel like, you know what? Kyle Kuzma played well. Now, he actually did play well. But it wasn't just because he made the shots. His process was good. I, I, thought, I thought his process was good today. Jerome, you mean? Yeah, Jerome. Yeah, I thought his process was good. I thought he like played you said, very he well. Was, yeah, he took he took the things that that were there for him, which is all you want out of these types of role players. You know, like where they get into trouble, it's like Danny Green trying to dribble, you know, behind his back in in the NBA playoffs. <laughs> like you don't want that. Sorry, Danny. You know, Danny Green is one of my favorite players, but I need you to run the floor, spot up, play transition defense, and you know, guard the second best offensive player. Please don't dribble. And so I thought he did a good job of letting the game come to him. This is the type of game where guys could kind of get out of control. So maybe maybe the 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 thing with Rui where he wasn't trying new stuff, maybe that's coaching. Maybe they don't want him to. Let's hone the things that you already do. But yeah, I thought I thought Jerome was good. Yeah. Anybody else stand out to you? Anything else um, stand out to you? I mean, Thomas Bryant, uh, Kind of got abused inside by Aiton. Oh, yeah, he did. Yeah, I mean, Aiton really feasted. I mean, uh, you don't go 11 of 14 very often in the NBA. No, Aiton, Aiton just dominated this game. And mm-hmm. and Booker Booker was very good, but Aiton was – I thought Aiton was the best player on the floor today. I did too. Man, and, he's well, so much better defensively. Now, now Booker opens up a lot for Aiton, right? No like question. Booker has gravity. But Aiton, I mean, the leap that he's taken, I'll say on both sides of the ball, because I think he even on, on offense, while he was never bad on offense, I mean, he's <laughs> the guy's 20 and 10 as a rookie. Um, I just think that he's doing so – like his, his offensive diversity has increased. He can hit you in different ways now um, that weren't there. I mean, he stepped back into that 1-3, and it was beautiful. I mean, it was very in rhythm. Like he was ready. Went two of three from from three. I, you know, that jumper is real. He's got great touch. I, I, I'm happy to see him extending that range. But Thomas Bryant, just not in the same class as him. So, so with Thomas Bryant, it's more like if he's if he's going to struggle defensively, he's got to put it. He's got to give it back offensively. Yep. And something I am just eager to see over these eight games, because I, I get eager over niche wizards schematic things, 
is Thomas Bryant is a guy. He's a very good offensive center. He's a very he's a very good scoring center. He is incredibly efficient. He was eighty percent at the rim last year. He's seventy eight percent at the rim this year. He is on a low volume of threes right now, over forty percent from three. I think he could increase that percentage and still shoot a for very sure. good percentage from. Or I think he could increase that volume. I mean, and still yeah, shoot a sure. very good percentage. I think he could be a guy who took a legit amount of threes, and I think he could shoot in the high thirties. Maybe maybe forty. Why not? He I think he's a very, very skilled offensive player. And if you've got a guy who is forty or close to it from three and literally eighty percent at the rim over a two year sample, not a small sample, that is a wildly efficient offensive player. But the thing is with Thomas Bryant, and this is certainly not a knock on Thomas Bryant, because almost every center in the league, save like the Carl Anthony Townses, are like this. He needs a really good guard to get him the ball in good spots so he can score efficiently from the spots that he's great at. That's not a knock on Thomas Bryant. Almost every center is like that. Even Joel Embiid could use a really good center. He's a really good point guard. He's great at scoring on his own. He's better if you give him a really good point guard. That's the way that big men tend to work, especially ones who play the way that Thomas Bryant plays, where he's a very good and very reliant pick-and-roll kind of guy and dump-off kind of guy and all that. 80% of Thomas Bryant's buckets this year were assisted. 148 buckets. Bradley Beal assisted on exactly half of those. 74. Bradley Beal assists were responsible for 40% of Thomas Bryant's baskets this year. That is an unbelievably high number. They are great in the pick and roll together. When the Wizards run Beal Bryant pick and roll, their offense becomes insanely efficient. It's one of the reasons why they were really, really good offensively this year with Beal, with Beal and Bryant on the floor. They, that is an incredibly good pick and roll. And it's not just because Thomas Bryant is scoring. It's because of all the other people scoring. But when Thomas Bryant scores, he does it often because Bradley Beal got him those scoring opportunities. And now he doesn't really have a pick and roll partner. I don't know who it's going to be. I don't know who it's going to be who's going to take on the primary role of facilitating for Thomas Bryant, whether it's going to be Troy Brown or Ish Smith or Shabazz Napier, or if no one's going to do it and they're all just going to kind of disperse to Thomas Bryant. But Thomas Bryant did not dominate offensively today. Now, part of it, I thought Aiden played a pretty good defensive game. But Thomas Bryant, it's not like he was feasting. He was 4 for 12. And I want to see who's going to take on that role with Thomas Bryant. Somebody should. Thomas Bryant is an uh. <laughs> incredibly skilled offensive center. But it's really hard because none of those people are Bradley Beal. Nobody's a threat off the dribble. Nobody. And that's why I'm saying I would like to see Rui at least give it a shot. Like, why not? You have nothing to lose. Get Bonga some opportunities. How many DHOs did they run today? I meant to count, and I completely forgot. I did not count. But not a not, I didn't see a lot. Not a ton. Not a ton. No. I didn't see many. It's hard to run them. So so yeah. I had, I mean, we had this discussion. Brad, Brad, they, Bradley Beal had 920, received 923 uh, dribble handoffs this year. 923. Most in the league by far. Second most in the league was Devin Booker at 555. I was going to say, Phoenix ran a bunch. Mm-hmm. Second most in the league, Devin Booker at 555. It's so many, 923. Almost twice as many as second most in the league. 
The Wizards led the league in dribble handoffs only because of the way they use Bradley Beal. You take Bradley Beal's dribble handoffs away from the Wizards, they fall from most in the league to 22nd most in the league. They drop that much. And part of it is because how many people on the Wizards roster today are you going over the screen against? You're just, you're not doing it. We <laughs> talked about, wait, we might have talked not about this guy. on the pod. We did. Yeah, yeah. there's not a single guy. I mean, n- nothing's changed in the last two weeks. They didn't. They didn't make any trades or, you know, sign Jamal Crawford or anything like that. Are you concerned about Mo Wagner? Um, you know, I, it's funny because he he was in a spot where uh, he caught the ball in a spot where I thought Bertans would have just fired a three, and just my natural instinct was, you know, oh wow, he should shoot that. <laughs> uh, yeah, he looks tentative, man. He looks tentative. He, he does, did have right? that nice. He had a nice that nice cut. Th- well, drive through the lane and dunk. Um, but outside of that, I mean, he was non-existent, which is crazy for a guy who you know was in the running for Sixth Man of the Year at one point this year. If you listen to this podcast, <laughs> he he did. He just went tentative at some point. I, I wonder if it's shooter. because his role. Like I just feel like his role was diminished quite a bit, um, and maybe he just got out of rhythm. This is before the hiatus. Now, since the hiatus, I don't think you can hold any of this against anybody. It's almost unusable data, to be honest with you, unless it's good. If it's positive, I'm going to be like, Hey, this is amazing. But if it's bad, I kind of just have to take it with a grain of salt and say, you know, this guy just didn't play NBA basketball for four months. Uh, What's his conditioning like? You know, I I don't know. I mean, I don't know how many shots he was getting up while he was at home. Maybe he's just rusty. Guys are going to come back at a different different pace. So um, he definitely looked tentative. Not scared, but tentative. You know, you don't dunk like that in traffic if you're scared. But he definitely was not being aggressive. No, he wasn't. And Mo, Mo plays the best when he's being really aggressive. That's that's when he is the best for sure. Yeah, and he, he was not aggressive tonight. I'd like to see him hunt the three ball a little bit. Me too. You know, he he didn't – he just stopped taking threes those last 16 games. And I have never really been able to figure out why? I mean, I know Brooks was kind of trying to turn him into a little bit more of a role man, but he just like his last 16 games of the year, he just stopped taking them. Just stopped. Like he would have, he'd be open and he would stop taking them. And there were just tons of games with just zero three point attempts. And again, today he didn't take a three. I, I can't really figure it out, to be honest. He's had some opportunities to do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> a lot. Yeah, and he, he's 35 from three. Oh, I mean, we know he can shoot it, but, I mean, you know, just not shooting it is unacceptable. I did like seeing him put the ball on the floor, though. Me Again, too. I just want to I just I see the guy I just want to see him do something right, assertive, right. you know? Yeah. He's, he's, um, he's a good player when he's assertive. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, I don't know, man. It's just such a rough roster. It's just difficult to evaluate. When the most important people aren't there, exactly. Yeah, but I will tell you though, there's stuff that that makes me worried that, you know, unless Troy Brown has a little leap in him, which is possible, uh, unless Rui has a leap in him, 
I think this team's defense is still going to be awful next year. Like, bottom three or four in the league. Yeah. I mean, that's something that I've because thought about a lot. You re-sign Bertans. If you re-sign mm-hmm. Bertans, you're paying Bertans, which means you he's going to close games for you. And I'm not a subscriber of you pay this guy a lot of money so he has to close. I am a subscriber of you don't pay a guy a lot of money if you don't think he's going to close. So if they pay him, that means they think he's going to close. If they think Rui is going to close and they think John Wall is going to close, and they think Bradley Beal is going to close, that means you are playing with Wall at the one, Beal at the two, and then your two forwards are Rui and Bertans. Depending on who's playing the four, three, and the four on the other end, you know, they, they, you, know you have them guard the, the better matchup for each of them, depending on the opponent. I don't know who the five is going to be. It could be Wagner, it could be Thomas Bryan, it could be somebody not currently on the roster. But either way, if those are your four guys... Who's guarding the big wing? Who's guarding the big wing? Beal? Beal? Probably Beal. Probably Beal. Who... What's the, what's the effort going to look like? I mean, I think the effort... Maybe I'm just... It should be better. It should be better if they're competitive. I, I don't see why... I believe the effort was down this year because the quality of the team. Well, also the offensive load was so out of whack. I mean, it was just an insane load. But I don't think I don't think that was why though, because if you're if you're giving that little effort just because of the offensive load, then take on less offensive load. You'll help the team more. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. You know, I mean, the the, the dirty secret is John Wall had basically like his his uh, pick and roll defense had fallen off a cliff before the injury. the The idea that he's going to come back post injury, older. Uh, and be able to defend like he did, you know, the first his first few years in the league. I, I don't, I don't expect that. That being said, maybe. maybe so I'll, it I'll, t- I'll tell you this much: if you said that to John, oh, he'd uh, probably be pretty pissed. No, he wouldn't be. Oh, because I've said oh, that okay. to John, and he's answered it. And I'm going to tell you what he said. He said that when when we say before the injury. We're referring to before he missed time with the injury. Ah, yes. But he was playing with that. And he was with playing with issue. bone spurs in his knee and his heel for years. And he said that he's hyper aware that the, on defense, he, st- he started doing things to make himself move less. And it was because the bone spurs would get uncomfortable in moments. And that's how he'd save himself. And that now oh, that's interesting. And that now he's more pain free than he has been, that, as he says, in yeah. years. Um, that's his answer. That's why he says he thinks he's going to be better on defense than he's been in years when he comes back. That's why he says he thinks he's going to be better on offense when he comes back. Um, he says he hasn't been played. He hasn't played. This is the first time he's played pain free in years. Um, and so, I mean, we'll see. I don't know the answer. People ask me all the time. Oh, you cover the Wizards. You must know. What do you think Wall's going to look like when he comes back? Like, yeah, I cover the Wizards, but I'm not. I'm not a psychic. Nobody knows. I don't care how much you know about the Wizards. I don't care if you're Scott Brooks or Tommy Shepard. I don't care if you're John Wall himself. Nobody knows. John John might have a great idea, be incredibly confident in himself, but nobody knows till you see it. You just you don't know. So my answer is always like people say to me, Oh, he's not gonna be good. He's gonna be thirty years old and he hasn't been healthy in three years and he's coming off Achilles surgery. There's no way he's gonna be good. And then there are people who say, he's John Wall. He's going to be healthy for the first time in years. He's going to be great. And I'm just like, I don't know. But I'm excited to find out. I hope he's healthy because, mm-hmm. man, when that guy was good, he was great. 
I mean, and he took a lot of pride in his defense as well. That was the thing. That was the thing that was so jarring about his drop off in pick and roll defense, in particular, because when he came in the league, like you knew that he actually cared about his defense. This was not. I mean, this was. It was like Tony Allen to a certain degree with him. Yeah. So so that's that's at least that's what John would say, and I think uh, I think including John's word in this conversation is important. So if you want to know. Where does the defense get better? Like we're being optimistic. Where does the defense get better? Mm-hmm. It's it's John's John's prediction is correct. Brad shows more effort and defends more like twenty seventeen Brad or twenty eighteen Brad as opposed to twenty twenty Brad, which is a fine enough defender who's actually above average on the ball and has the tools, is strong in the chest, is is pretty quick and will play hard one-on-one and that kind of stuff. Uh, he has the tools to be an above-average one-on-one defender and be fine enough off the ball. He just chose not to use him for a lot of points this year. But but again, again, like big wings. What about when you're going up against the big wing? Is Brad, Brad's guarding that guy? All right. Well, so Is it going to be Rui? I think it's going to be Rui. Oof. I think it's going to be Rui. I think the organization thinks it's going to be Rui. But you're going to struggle defensively. I mean, they have the second worst defensive rating over the last 25 years. So they're going to, the defense could struggle with that unless you, I mean, something we're not talking about is they want to sign a rim protector. They could bring in a great rim protector. Wait, they want to sign a rim protector? Yeah. Since when? Oh, that that is, I wrote that two months ago. Like coming off the bench or not clarified. Start not clarified, but but my guess is if they can get a really good rim protector, they'll go get a really good rim protector. I wish they could uh, trade for Rudy Gobert. They'd be a top four team in the East potentially. Could they? <laughs> I don't no, think. No, they I could mean, make could they trade for Gobert? Yeah, I don't. I don't think they could make it work. No, I think go. I think Gobert might be gettable though. I don't see a deal. No, they don't have they don't have the assets. Yeah, I don't see it. No. But I just, you know, I wish that for a lot of teams. I wish it for the Pelicans, you know. Yeah, they 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 need someone who's going to play really good team defense on the back end of all those pick and rolls and who's mm-hmm. going to alter some shots and deter some shots. That's and what actually need. set some good screens. And sets Well, Thomas Bryant sets good screens. Sure, sure, but I mean, like he can do he can do the defensive stuff and still set good screens is what I mean. Right, for sure. Yeah, you you're not you giving need, up anything with. You Gobert. need a good screener for the wall and the Beal pick and rolls. You need a good screener to run Bertans off of. For sure, mm-hmm. for sure. This has gotten dire. It's one game. Ah, uh, yeah, but also like we. I don't know, like the, the tone. I don't like the tone here. I don't like. I'm the with tone. you. I'm with you. Let's. But, well, it's the big picture, right? Like we're we're looking forward to next year, so we have to carve up what they're not doing right now that that they, they they need to accomplish while they're in the bubble. And one of those things I think is start sticking Rui on the best player on the other team, the best wing. Give him that responsibility now because you hope he can grow into it. And put the ball in Rui's hands and see what he can make happen off the dribble. I think I think they will do that with Rui. Like, they had him guard 
Kawhi in the exhibition against the Clippers. Mm-hmm. And he did better than I thought he would. He was he was okay. He did better than I thought he would on that assignment. They had him guard Kawhi in that game. So uh, I, I, I think they're going to do that. I think they're definitely aware of like, we're going to do the things that are best for our future. We would love to make the playoffs, but we're going to do the things right now that are best for our future. And I think that's a really healthy mindset. And I think that's what they're going to do. The Suns just don't really have that guy. Like, you're not going to have Rui guard Booker. You know, that's that's the right. opportunity for let's see how Bonga and Troy Brown do. You know, which is what they did. So so I uh I thought I thought I, I thought tonight, like you just didn't really or today you didn't really have that opportunity. But I think they're going to do that. Who do they have next? Brooklyn, you don't really have that opportunity. Pacers don't really I have mean, that you're not gonna stick them on Oladipo. No, you're not. That's going to be a Bonga Brown Robinson thing again. Sixers is really the first opportunity for Rui to do something like that. That's on Wednesday. So you got Philly. See how Rui guards Ben Simmons. Just see. Say Rui, go get him. Right? I'd I'd like to see it. I would love to see it. See, Rui, go out there and man that really fast, really powerful, really athletic, really big dude. See how he does. I'd like to see some Rui at the five. Screw it. Let's do it. (laughs) Rui and shooters. Just give me Rui. They tried that a little this year. Rui Rui and shooters, I'm down. The thing is, they don't really have many shooters. (laughs) Right. You know, like. (laughs) Jerome Robinson. The only shooter on the roster. Yeah, I mean, they just they don't have the 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 shooters on their roster currently shot thirty three percent this year from three. So like they just don't really have. I mean, their their best three point shooter Napier for sure. Napier is a good three point shooter. Thomas Bryant is is good from three, but then like you know, Troy Brown is is still getting there. Ish is is not a three point shooter. Bonga is, 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 you know, still getting there. Guys still don't guard him on the perimeter. So that's hard. But, yeah, sure. I mean, ideally, Rui and three-point shooters. Maybe at some point you decide, you know what, we want to try Rui at the five with a bunch of shooters, and, like, tonight, like, Jared Utoff was was inactive. Maybe you just, you know you're going to do that one night, and you just, you make Utoff active and just so you can play him in those lineups, and and you just say, like, we're experimenting. We're experimenting and we're seeing what happens. And you just play Utah at the four just to give Rui some extra shooting and you see how he is at the five. I'm down with that. Can I have a can I have a second to rant for like something that's tangentially related to the Wizards? Okay. Only because you know, I already did my my podcast Nerder She Wrote on the Athletic NBA show this week. The free throws in the bubble are out of hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Completely. 55 combined free throws in this game. Um, the game that's, uh, the Celtics game that's happening right now, they've apparently shot like 29 free throws at the half. I guess 49 total free throws at halftime. Last night, uh, the Lakers-Clippers combined for 65 free throws. These refs, like this isn't high school basketball. Like You don't have to blow the whistle this much. 
I wonder if there was like some point of emphasis discussed about something and now they're calling more because it's happening in every game. Yeah. The point of emphasis should be, hey, relax, buddy. <laughs> That's Scott Foster was – I mean, yeah. Let's let's get that on NBA letterhead. Just relax. Um, they're killing these games. Uh, you know, that Lakers-Clippers game should have been a lot more enjoyable, but the flow in the first half especially was just – it was awful. Yeah. Um, sorry, that was just a rant. Some, yeah. Mm. So many fouls. That's what happens when I'm watching basketball while recording a podcast, which <laughs> I don't do very often. All right. We got we got anything else? We haven't talked about once. Oh, I mean, I mean something I think I think I'm gonna write this after we get done podcasting and have it up tomorrow morning. I think I'm gonna write this that like the Wizards say they want to make the playoffs. They they do. They do want to make the playoffs. Uh they they have to beat Brooklyn on Sunday if they want to do it. They have to. Oh yeah, they're not gonna. It's not gonna happen unless they beat Brooklyn. They are, they are not going to lose that game to Brooklyn. Fall three back of a play-in with six to play. All against playoff teams. They are. They are not going to do that. So they got to be. They got to be. Or actually, not all against playoff teams. They have New Orleans once, but they got to beat Brooklyn. And New Orleans is good now, so might as well be a playoff team. Um, they got to be Brooklyn on Sunday. And I feel like every Wizards fan is mad. I feel like Wizards fans are either mad that they aren't the they aren't favored to make the playoffs, or they're or they're mad because they want to make the playoffs. And and uh, and if they do make the playoffs, then they're going to hurt their draft positioning. And I will say what I have said on this podcast before, and I'll I'll end it at least on a positive. Either result is fine. Either result is completely fine. If they make the playoffs, it's because Rui played well, Troy Brown played well, Bonga played well, Wagner played well, Thomas Bryant played well, and that's great. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That means your young players are playing really well and won some important games and got some extra experience out of it, and that's great. And I would trade ninth in the lottery for a 15th pick if it meant that all those guys who are important to your future got better. That'd be great. And if they don't make the playoffs... They got a better draft pick. So Wizards fans don't need to stress. They're really in a they're really in a win-win right now. You're fine. You're fine. Troy Brown looks better. Bongo looks better. Rui is scoring. Uh, Troy fine. Brown is a player. Like he is Yeah, he, he didn't play well be, tonight, but he's he's a player. If if they're a top 5 or 6 team in the in the East next year, it's because Troy Brown is contributing. Yes. That's that's a take. That's the perfect take to end on. There you go. There we go. Anything to plug before Try, we go? No. Hey, check out everything over at the Athletic. I think everybody's doing good work. Everybody. Great. And even even Fred. <laughs> and Dave hosts the Athletic NBA show on Fridays. And the Daily Dink. Don't forget the Daily Dink. And the Daily We're back. Dink. And the every Daily day. Well, except for the weekends, but every morning. Get a recap, and not just a recap. Recap with analysis. There you go. Well, I will be back. Actually, before I wrap up, if you want to subscribe to The Athletic, but you think $5 a month is too expensive, you can get 40% off. If you go to theathletic.com slash wizardsafterdark, that's going to get you 40% off on an annual subscription. 
$36 for a full year. It gets you full access to The Athletic, not just The Athletic DC, but everything, all the NBA content, all the NFL content, MLB, everything that you want. Theathletic.com slash Wizards After Dark gets you 40% off on the annual subscription, $36 for the year. If you are just randomly listening to this episode and you're not a subscriber to Wizards After Dark, you can change that if you go and subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. If you really enjoy the show and you want to show your support, you can go on iTunes, give us five stars. You can leave a nice review if you're feeling that way. I'm back to postgame shows. So this is the normal format with... An asterisk. Uh, I'm just doing shows uh, on games that are played Sunday to Thursday, so no weekend episodes. Um, so I'm not going to be doing if there's like a Friday game and they play. There's going to be no episode on a on a Saturday morning. Just games that are on Sundays through Thursdays, and I'm going to be doing post game episodes. This is the obvious exception because it's the first game back. I promise to be a little more. A little less dire. A little less dire on the next episode. Let's be. Oh yeah, I. You know, listen to to defend us. We just expected a little bit more. It's okay. Now our expectations have been lowered, and we can you know we can look ahead accordingly. I'll be back in a couple weeks. I'm sure. There you go. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, it was 22 versus 21. What are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? That's right. You know. So we're. Uh, I'll be back on Sunday. Wizards play the Nets. You know what? No, I'm not going to say it. I hate the term must win. You know what's It is a must win if you want to make the playoffs. You know it's a must win if you want to make the playoffs every game. Like just don't well, lose. Yeah, for the Wizards. <laughs> yeah, don't lose. Don't lose. Every yeah. game every game is a must win. But you can't have degrees of must win. You either must win it or you or you don't must win it. There are no degrees of must win. <laughs> This is the longest close in history. <laughs> Look, they got to make up. They got to make up two games, and Brooklyn's not winning a game. So you got to win at least, you know, what, a couple. You of You think those. Brooklyn's Four? going zero and eight? Three. I. They're awful. I mean, if Brooklyn goes zero and eight, you just got to go two and six. Two and six. There you go. What did I say? Four four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brooklyn goes zero and eight. It doesn't really matter how many you win, unless, of course, you win seven of them and you take over the eight seed. But there's six back of Brooklyn with seven to play right now, so chances are you're you're playing as a as a as a ninth place playing team, and you got to win two straight against Brooklyn, which is that's plausible. where I got four from. That's it. That's it. Right. You got to win exactly. two more on top of that. There we go. That's right. There we go. That's nice it. recovery. Well, yeah, one hundred percent. Did not make a mistake on. All right. Well, I will be back yeah. after the Brooklyn game on Sunday. I'll talk to you guys then. <laughs>